Mark Twain once said, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. Or was it Winston Churchill who said that? Actually, it was neither of them. The quote was first attributed to Mark Twain nine years after his death, but there's no evidence he ever said it. Yet, over a hundred years later, people still believe that he did. Ironic, isn't it? Welcome to the Mindful Hour. I'm your host, Shannon Lightborn, and today's podcast episode is on misinformation and how to manage it. Our special guest, Dr. Richard Adderley, is going to explain what makes misinformation so insidious, how it can hurt us, and how to avoid it. This podcast was brought to you by the team at the Bahamas Psychological Association, with special thanks to Kanita Saunders and Dr. Valerie Knowles. As always, we're going to start with a little introduction to the research. First of all, what is misinformation exactly? According to Koblinski et al., to be misinformed is to firmly hold the wrong information. That's the difference between being uninformed and misinformed. Being uninformed is simply to lack knowledge, while being misinformed is to have the wrong information. Emotional and cognitive biases play a major role in influencing the ways in which we view any kind of misinformation. People are more likely to believe the first thing that they hear. Furthermore, research shows that even when incorrect information is updated to be accurate, the initial misinformation continues to be believed, even by those who were exposed to the correction. Another major driving force behind misinformation is something researchers have called the illusion of consensus. A 2019 study shows that individuals were more likely to believe one false source that was repeated over many outlets over a consensus shared by multiple people based on multiple sources. This basically means that when one source of misinformation is shared over and over again by thousands of people on Facebook or Twitter, there's a very good chance that people are going to believe it. This is part of the reason why social media platforms in particular have been identified as major distributors of misinformation. Algorithms on these platforms work to show you content that you already want to see. This creates an echo chamber that makes it difficult to find any information that is not within your personal bubble. A 2021 study showed that individuals who viewed political content from only one side, either right or left, we're more likely to believe misinformation. The good news is that when participants were shown a mix of sources, both left and right, they were better able to identify quote-unquote fake news. The challenge, therefore, is making sure that people have access to a variety of sources and do not get their news 
or other important information from social media echo chambers. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Adderley. Morning. It's, it's great to be with you guys. Two yes. of my favorite students. <laughs> Thank you. And also one of my favorite lecturers. Ah, now you know how to swell my head. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Adderley is a psychology lecturer at the University of the Bahamas. And, well, I'd like you to introduce yourself, Mr. Adderley. We brought you on to talk about misinformation. so. Let us know about your professional background and how that has influenced your experience with managing and addressing misinformation. Okay, so, uh, well, first of all, I'm a 40-year-old veteran in terms of of the field of psychology. I joined uh, the public service back in 1982. My first area was um, substance abuse treatment. And I think that's where, uh, as we would say, I cut my teeth. It was a very fascinating period of time uh, in the Bahamas. Um, it was an epidemic that we had not experienced uh, the likeness of previously. And so I was thrust into working with a disaster, a cocaine disaster. And so after um, several years of working in the field, I got a fellowship and I spent um, some time at Johns Hopkins University looking at addictions. Now, even though I'm a, a psychologist because all of my undergraduate and graduate training was in the field of psychology, um, because um, addiction fell under public health, I was exposed to public health. And so once I got through with um, Johns Hopkins University, I went on to the University of South Carolina where I did a doctorate program in public health uh, with the emphasis on um, health promotion and health education. And so when we begin to look at stuff like disaster uh, management and um, psychological uh, first aid, all of these areas fall under public health concerns because they impact society. And so uh, if you want to sum it up for me, um, in addition to my clinical work, I am also trained in the whole field of public health psychology, because um, I look and I counsel and I work with individuals who um, experience and go through public concerns. So that's me in a nutshell. Okay. Public health, that seems like exactly the area that should be, I think, I think misinformation is a public health Yeah, yeah, definitely. Issue. Uh, and uh, a, part of, um, a part of my public health training is that there is a um, several courses and there's a specialty area uh, that's called um, health uh, promotion and health communications. 
and um, public health awareness, public health messages. So that was the subspecialty area. Uh, now, over the past 20 years, I've, I've, I haven't um, done as much work in the field of public health as I would like to. But uh, the thing is that uh, it still occupies a lot of my time. Yeah, there's been a lot of talks about talk about misinformation in the last few years, especially with the with the COVID pandemic that came through and just all kinds of confusion and questions that people have. People aren't sure what to believe. And I was just wondering, do you have any idea or what do you think are the root causes of misinformation? Because somebody has to be spreading the misinformation and people have to believe the misinformation. So what do you think is the, like the mechanism behind that? Well, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to um, one of the classes that we will, we would have uh, spent time in together um, research methods. And one of the biggest questions that we have in research is this whole issue of um, where, what is factual? And what is myth? A lot of times when we are looking for answers, we tend to come up with um, solutions based on limited information. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, in our country, we like to make statements like, everyone says this, everyone does this, this is what's gonna happen, with the emphasis on everyone. Um, how much is everyone? You see, because sometimes everyone could just be a handful of people, but we use information for sensational, sensationalism. Um, we want to get people all worked up. We want to, um, to send a particular message and it may not always be the correct message. So let me start off by giving you an example of an experience that I had many, many, many years ago. I was sitting with an older guy and we were both getting our cars clean. I started to share some information um, with him about something that someone had told me. So he listened, he listened, listened, and then he asked a couple of questions. He said, Richard, he said, where did you get that information from? And so I said, well, a colleague of mine shared it with me. So he said, who is this colleague? And I said, well, I don't want to call any names, but and then he said, is this person credible? Okay. And I said, mm-hmm. um, I guess. And he said, the source of information, is it credible? You know, and it got me thinking. And then he said, how do you know that it was credible? And see, these are all questions that I was trained to ask as a researcher. But In my own personal life, sometimes we take in information without um, asking, where did it come from? Who was it who was disseminating it? Is that source credible? Okay. We we are not trained to ask the specific questions that we need in order to determine whether or not something is authentic. And so, Shannon, um, from that point of view, I realized that so many questions, so many things that come our way, we don't challenge, we don't question. Um, Even when we are back in counseling 100, back in in undergrad, um, there were questions that whenever you're talking with someone, 
and they make a statement, you should challenge them, okay? And the challenging forces people to look for authenticity. And that is where whenever people come with information, we got to ask, where is it coming from? How do you know? What's the source? Is the source credible? Yeah, so, so that's, that's it for an opening statement. I like the statement. I like especially like the point on the authority, like who is making the statement. I remember several years back, I was in a conversation and two people were arguing about, I think, the law. And one of the persons was a lawyer uh-huh. and the other person was not a lawyer. Clearly, one person is more credible here. Mm-hmm. But I think when we believe something very strongly, uh-huh. we find it hard to separate what we believe versus what, let's say, an expert is telling you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it for sure. I think um, during the pandemic, I heard a lot of it. During um, disasters, you encounter it a lot. During political seasons, people get very, very heated over uh, their opinion. And mm-hmm. so sometimes when I'm in a discussion with someone and it's in the political season, what I do is that I, I listen, I listen, I listen. And depending on who it is, I am cautious on how I challenge because sometimes people are willing to deny factual information. And what they go with is they go with, with, with momentum, what the crowds are saying, what the crowds are believing. And a lot of times people will twist the truth. Uh, You know, the English language is fascinating. And they twist the truth um, in order to get their point across or to get a reaction. Another thing that I've noticed over the years is that data, data is data can be used uh, correctly or incorrectly. We can take data and we could look at data from a different angle and we could use data to push our agenda in whatever direction we want data to go. And that is why it's so important to ask certain questions because otherwise it can be misleading. Yes, I agree. I think the biggest question I think people have is what questions to ask or they don't know which questions to, to focus on, what discrepancies in information that they hear to focus on. But it's, it's one of those situations where... I think definitely education uh-huh. into kind of communication, like education into communication in general mm-hmm. so would be helpful. Well, let's look at a couple of things. And um, I'm sure you, you know you, you guys are aware of this. Uh, but let's start off with consider the source. Okay? Mm-hmm. Consider the source. Who do you go to when you want information? You tell me. When you want information, who do you go to? Mm. When I want information, mm-hmm. um, I know I will, I usually start with Google, uh-huh. so, so type it in, and then you start, you usually start with the first result. Uh-huh. Then I go in and I try to, I, I guess, because I, I try to read different sources, see what different people are saying and try to find whatever that middle ground is. Uh-huh. So for you, you look for a middle ground. So what, I, what it seems is if you, um, you come up with several possible options. And then you weigh those options and you come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what about you, Kanita? Yes, I do the same thing. I search it up. Um, uh-huh. I look for the org or .edu. I use for those. I look for those specific class mm-hmm. in the web address. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned, remember in research, we, um, we do what we call a literature review. Okay. 
Um, and if you remember, guys, what's the purpose of a literature review? To summarize the, the existing literature on the topic. Yeah, to, and, and we, usually, we usually say aim for maybe 5, 10, 15 articles, okay? Mm -hmm. And then what we do is that we critically analyze the information that's presented to us. And this is one of the challenges that we have, um, I think, in, with young people and in our society. A lot of us do not know how to critically evaluate a situation. What do mm -hmm. you think about that? Now let's talk about critical evaluation. You see, because critical evaluation means that first of all, you have to be able to bracket your feelings about a particular issue. Yes. And then it means to look objectively at what are the facts about a situation. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we face as, um, as, as individuals, that we're not always able to be objective. You see, um, we live at a, in a society and at times when if I like you, you can't do any wrong. You see? And so regardless mm -hmm. of what's happening, if I like you, I like you. But see, where we have to get is the fact is I could like you, but I could still be objective about you. And I need to be able to say to you that it's not accurate. The information that you're providing is not correct. And this is where the problem starts. So it's critical, it's important when you're looking for information, first of all, you look at the source. So we go into Google. And once you go into Google, uh, you, have, you have hundreds of sources, okay? But you gotta look at who are the credible establishments? Which sites are known to give accurate information? Now, if you look at, um, if you look, I, I hear people um, say this from time to time, that if you listen, CNN takes you one way, Fox News takes you a different way. So it depends on which news um, station you listen to, you will get different opinions. And so it involves looking at the sources from all angles. So I'm gonna give you an example. There is a graphic that someone sent me a couple of years ago where you have a gentleman on the left and you have a gentleman on the right. And you know the letter six or nine, they look alike. Yeah. And so one person sees a six from the angle, the other person sees a nine. Who's correct? They're both correct. Both correct. The key is that depending on the source, you will either be told it's a six or it will, you will be told it's a nine, okay? And so here is what we want people to do. When you have a number of options, you want to explore those options and you want to um, critically evaluate where is the information coming from? What is the information saying? And then if there are things that you do not agree with or you're concerned, you do a deeper search and deeper exploration. And once you can do that, 
okay? Then it makes it better. We know that um, as researchers in the social sciences, that when we talk about literature, we're talking about peer-reviewed, okay? Why, why do we use peer-reviewed information as opposed to just um, um, information that could appear in any day-to-day -day journal? Because you want um, other experts to have reviewed the, the, the methodology and the, the analysis and make sure it's accurate and that, uh, you know, the data wasn't skewed in some way. Uh-huh, 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 okay. So now you, you, you have it. So the thing is that it's easier for me to look at a peer-reviewed article than, and, and, and to get credible information because I know that it's been discussed and it's been reviewed by experts in the field. That is more of a credible source than someone who, uh, an article that I read in Cosmopolitan or Seventeen or Jet or Essence or Men's Health. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so we have to be very, very, very careful with the information um, that we use because we need credibility and credibility has to do with reliability and validity. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. That was, yes. And I guess just moving on from that, when we're, when, when we're unable to, as a society, as individuals, when we're unable to differentiate misinformation, Mm -hmm. What are the ways that can hurt us? Um, well, when we, when, when we are unable to differentiate, what happens is that we go either with our gut feelings or we go with experiences. Okay? And, um, and that, can be, that can have devastating effects. So let me, um, let me refresh you. Uh, I don't know how many, whether you are Kanita, um, listen to the session um, that we did with hurricanes in the Bahamas. You remember when we had the guest speaker? Yes. Okay. And he spoke about, he spoke about hurricanes and he went back to the 1926 hurricanes and earlier hurricanes um, when there was no technology. Okay. And so people made decisions based on, on, on everyday occurrences and, and everyday experiences. And we learned of a terrible um, incident that happened in Cat Island, I think um, almost 100 years ago, where 200 plus persons were killed simply because um, decisions were made to, uh, to uh, have a boat leave Cat Island on route to Nassau or whatever, or vice versa, um, despite the fact that there was a hurricane brewing, you see? And so what happens is that without factual or concrete information, um, then persons, their lives are going to be in, 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 in jeopardy um, because we make decisions based on, on, on our limited uh, observations. Um, let me also um, tell you about misinformation. Um, in public health, in our, in, having to do with our health, a lot of people make decisions uh, that are incorrect. Um, I know even with diagnosis, how many times do we misdiagnose ourselves? Let's talk about that. I'm sure all of you have had some experience with someone who has misdiagnosed themselves. Let me break this down. Um, let's go to Google. And uh, again, I'm guilty of it as well, so I know. Um, 
And I think, I think as males, sometimes when we're dealing with our health, um, we tend not to want to go to doctors. And so in the first, um, the first instance, we, self, we tend to self-diagnose. So I begin to feel a certain way and I go on and um, I, I put in certain symptoms, okay? And then Google um, gives me a response. It takes me to that site and I turn around and I say, oh, this is what I have. And so then I start treating myself based on the information um, uh, given to me by Google. And, um, and I'm taking Google now as, as, as the authority. And I begin to treat myself. Sometimes I go into a pharmacy and I get specific medications because I think that is what's going on with me. Okay. And we know persons who've done that. Um, I know persons who have, who, who have died because they have decided that, look here, there's information out there that says that if you take this medicine, um, if you take this bush medicine, if you take this herbal medicine, that this will cure such and such. And as a result of that, they don't take the prescribed medications that they should be taking and the situation gets worse. And so in the absence, okay, of credible sources, um, we as a people tend to make some decisions that I think can often come back to harm us. Every person, and um, I was sharing this, um, I was sharing this with, with some friends the other day. I was sharing, and, and Channel, if you've been from Long Island, you would probably remember this. Uh, we'll know you're a little too young for it. But when I was a little boy, um, you drank bush medicine every single day. Mm -hmm. In fact, the first thing I could remember my grandmother when I got up, um, before you even had a chance to brush your teeth, they would say, just rinse out your mouth and drink your bitters. And bitters mm -hmm. was usually um, beigerine, okay? Um, mm -hmm. Which is officially called the beigerinian, but my grandmother would get up every morning and she would go on the uh, bayside and she would pick up a handful of be uh, beigerine. She would bring it home. By the time I got up, that was already boiled. You add a little uh, <laughs> lemon and some salt yeah. and you had to drink that. And you drank that even before you you had um, tea or coffee or I wouldn't say breakfast. You know, uh, breakfast. You had to. It was it went in this order: bitters, hot cup of tea, and then breakfast. Okay, but they believed that that was the source of healing, the source of curing all ills. Okay. And mm -hmm. so the thing is that we have to begin to attack some of the cultural nets to help people uh, to break through some of these beliefs, because it's these beliefs that sometimes uh, provide you with misinformation. Okay. Yes. Another thing, another thing uh, in terms of misinformation is we have this belief that anytime you say that you don't feel good, we say it's gas. Let me tell you, I, I, have per, I have a personal experience of it. Um, I was sick for about a week and I kept saying it was, it was gas, it was gas. And I kept drinking hot cups of tea, hot cups of tea, sitting in a, in a hot tub of water, hot cups of tea and saying to myself, by golly, I can't get rid of this gas. Well, guess what? It got so bad, um, I, my wife had to take me to uh, emergency. I got the emergency room and when they looked and they did a, a thorough investigation, 
they, it discovered that, um, that I had a gallstone, that my appendix was about to rupture, and that, um, that I had developed an um, umbilical hernia from lifting weights. Mm-hmm. And I had to be rushed into emergency surgery. And those three procedures were performed all one time. Okay. Now, the thing is that um, depending, uh, I, I actually believe, I actually believe that it was gas. Um, and then that, that was me. Several years later, my wife was in a similar situation. Okay. And um, she had to be rushed into emergency surgery. And all along, I sat there and I was saying, um, man, look at this is gas. This is gas. This is gas. You just got to keep drinking something hot. You got to keep drinking something hot. And I consider myself to be a sensible person, a professional, a knowledge. I counsel people. Okay. But the thing is that because of what I've experienced in life sometimes and what I've heard my um, ancestors say and, um, and, and a part of culture, um, sometimes the, our whole beliefs are based on wrong information, erroneous information to begin with. And, uh, but then I see that as the authority. And so that is one of the challenges. What happens when the authority that, or what you believe is authority is actually wrong? then you start off on the wrong premise. You mm-hmm. see where I'm coming from? Yeah, no, I, I see. I, I, don't, I see it all the time with um, so, my family. I, I, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you another thing. Uh, I, a lot of times we allow religion to provide wrong information for us because um, there's sometimes in, in, in churches, in, 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 in um, spiritual groups, we say to people, oh, you don't need this. You don't need that. All you need is God, okay? Just pray, pray, pray. And whilst I do believe and, and, and I'm Christian and I have faith and stuff like that, sometimes decisions are made um, because of the lack of information, you see? And we need to understand that from a community that God helps people who help themselves. What if the person who the doctor, uh, God placed in, in there just to be able to help you, but you refuse yes. to go? Because you believe that that uh, that no man can help you, and if God wants to heal you, He will heal you. Okay, I lost a very dear friend of mine, so a childhood friend, simply because he was encouraged. Um, don't use any type. Don't you don't need to go to a doctor if your faith is strong enough. You're going to be healed. Okay, and by the time he actually sought help, he was already fourth stage cancer. Okay. Well, and the thing is, I, 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 I was very angry because, yeah, the source of information was not a reliable or credible source. Okay. And so this is, this, this is, this is what we're, we're talking about. Or someone you know are experiencing the effects of Hurricane Dorian or COVID-19, don't suffer in silence. Call our helpline. You can call or WhatsApp every day between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. 
Our numbers are, for our general lines, 816-3799-812-0576-815-5850. For our male adult line, call 821-8123. For our Creole lines, call 454-2933 or 357-9177. For our Abaco line, call 822-4211. And for our child and adolescent and parent support line, please call 819-7652. You're not in this alone, and we are here to help. Now, I know we've, we've sort of sidetracked um, from, from disaster, but I think the same thing applies in terms of, 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 of hurricanes, okay? I am so glad that we live in a time now, in the last 20 years, where we've got up-to-date information on technology, you know, using technology, that, uh, that you can uh, get information on forecasts, that you, you, you could watch the storm, okay, approach it. You, you now have, you can see it, okay? And so the thing is that this allows people now um, some credibility uh, because, Regardless of what people say to you, oh, the storming coming, the storming coming, you can actually see on the weather uh, report mm -hmm. where the storm is moving and how the storm is moving and the projection. And therefore, we should be able to put ourselves um, in position uh, to seek help, to get out of the path mm -hmm. of it. But if you think back uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, we didn't have this type of um, vision. We didn't, we, couldn't, we didn't see things as clearly. And so there were lots and lots and lots of wrong decisions that were made because we we're thinking that the hurricane is going one way, the hurricane is going, you know, and it may be going the next way. Um, I saw there's an interesting thing about a shipwreck that they just found, I think, a couple of months ago off the coast of Oregon. Um, there was a, a, a this ship. Yes, yes, I saw that. Yeah, that was leaving the Philippines, okay, and um, with with expensive silks and and stuff, and it crashed off the coast of of of, of Oregon. And you know, you could understand that because back then they had no way of being able to verify what was real, what was actually happening. Um, but today. Uh, there's so many ways to find out and people just need to ask the right questions, okay? Um, to continue to dig, okay? To read beyond the headlines, the headings, you mm -hmm. see? All of these things are, are important. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up um, technology and how technology really helps us be more informed because I actually wanted to ask how, like, because I think in that same vein, technology has made it a lot easier to be misinformed at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I see WhatsApp, WhatsApp made it, um, when you want to share something to a group, you could only share it to one group at a time. Uh -huh. Because of like, and it also will show you a notification to say that this, this post was shared many times yes, before yes, it got yes. to you. Uh -huh. I think, yeah. 
I was going to ask, like, how, like, how do you think, how do you think modern technology has influenced the spread of misinformation? Um, because, because of the mass information that comes out and, uh, and, and people feel that once it appears on social media, that there's some accuracy to it. Um, it also opens the way for persons who want to create havoc to be able to, to do so. Uh, so let me let me let me tell you what I mean by this. Um, the on a number of occasions, people have sent me stuff on social media, and and they say um, this happened, okay. And when I look at something like the license plates on the car, I realize that we don't use those license plates. That's not the Bahamas. Wow. And so I have to point it out, and I say that's not in the Bahamas. Okay, or someone sends information and, and, and I look at it and I say, that's old news. That happened three, four years ago, you see? And mm-hmm. so every now and then, um, and this is, this is the power of, of social media because it, uh, it gets to, um, to persons very quickly and it's disseminated very, very, very quickly. You see, so people just send information, send information, send information. And then um, it's like that old saying, I tell two people and they tell two people and they tell two people and they tell two people. And in a period, uh, in in a few minutes, everyone knows. But if that information is wrong, then that means that everyone has been given wrong, inaccurate information. And so... We have to be very careful what is it that we post on social media. And as persons who, who receive messages, we have to be very, very careful, okay, um, about um, the information that we receive. Um, you know, if we look, I don't, I don't have all the details, uh, but I'm just going to allude to it. Um, look at what um, in the 2020 elections, Okay, look at what um, the Republicans were able to do. Okay, oh, get yeah. persons, yeah, just through, just through um, social media and using information, they were able to get people to convince to, and convince them that guess what, that the election was a fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're doing the, they're having those hearings right now. Yeah, you see, and people, and people, the, the sad thing is that people sometimes will have information they will see facts okay but they will make choices because of their belief in a particular person or a particular system yeah i see a lot of um talk about mainstream media as in uh and fake news and like the trump the trump era really normalized the idea that Mm -hmm. we can all have alternative facts Mm -hmm. You see? And, uh, you know, it gets, it, Shannon, it gets down to, to the point where, for many of us, we have, we're accountable for making our own decisions. Okay? And we have to, we have to conduct our own research and we have to carry out our own investigations. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you another uh, area that I, I, I look at with misinformation. Um, have you ever gotten this 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 letter that says that look here, um, my uncle um, wants to give give you one million dollars. Um, yeah. Please contact so and so. 
it's amazing how many people jump at that opportunity and feel that it's true. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that there's some factual stuff that's staring them right in the eye, but they don't want to see it. The only thing they're thinking about is the $1 million. And I ask this question, how do you allow yourself to be, be, to be scammed? There's some basic questions that you've got to ask, okay? Who, where is it coming from? Who, who, who is the author of these things? Um, you know, um, I, I notice uh, a lot of banks now will tell you, we will never ask you these type of questions. Yeah, via email or text. Yeah, and, and um, you know, so what they're trying to do is to get people to, to realize that, look here, this doesn't sound right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, along with the critical thinking is the inquiring minds. And so I think as individuals, we have to learn how to inquire, how to ask questions. Yeah, and sometimes I think there's so many people out there who want to ask questions, so like, but they, don't, they still don't know how to define the answers because when they ask the questions, they do the Google search, they end up somewhere, some obscure website and they get all these weird answers and that's what they want. Sometimes I wonder if there's, a, there's um, an issue of people wanting to know. Mm-hmm but not knowing how to find the right answers. And sometimes you have to, sometimes um, you go to, you have to, you have to go to experts in the field. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes experts in the field may mean that you engage people who you're comfortable with. Okay. To get their opinions. Um, you don't just go to one person, but you, you engage a number of persons. Uh, and again, let me share with you uh, personal history something that, that, that's, that's pretty silly, but I think it's going to drive home a point. Um, so when I was 17 and I was in college and I, I, I came home one summer and um, I was interested in this young lady and um, I, she wasn't interested in me. Um, and I felt, I felt all along, alone in this world. I felt like, you know, my self-esteem dropped because it was like, what's wrong with me? Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm an okay person. Why is it that I can't, uh, I can't get this girl's interest? And it had me feeling very, very low for an extended period of time. And I remember my best friend at the time, I said to him, I said, man, I said, um, have you ever had the experience of, of having a girl reject you? And you, you know what he said to me? He said, man, Richard, that happens all the time. He said, uh, you, may, you know how many girls that have asked out and they've said no? He said, but that doesn't bother me. He said, because I just keep trying. Now, do you know, do you know how powerful that was for me? That changed the whole course of my adolescence because I realized that I was not alone and this was just a part of life, okay? And mm-hmm. so sometimes when you can't find factual information, when you're not quite sure which way to go, you ask people's opinions of people who are close to you, people who have walked that road before, okay? And you hear what they have to say, you see? And the thing is that it's not all about taking um, their, uh, or or just taking their advice and, and putting it into practice. It's listening to what they have to say and then um, sort of, um, determining how does it apply to you? How doesn't it apply to you? What is it that you can take? What is it that you can leave? Okay. 
Um, mm -hmm. And that is how that is how we have to deal with misinformation. You always question. You always challenge. Okay. Um, you just don't take things for granted. See, even in the medical field, we talk about it. That's why we have second opinions. Yeah. You see? And that's why sometimes not only do we have second opinions, sometimes we have third opinions. Yeah, I, I think we've all had experiences with whether us or close like family members and friends going to the doctor and, you know, getting one answer and just, you know, people think it's not correct. So they, they try again, they go somewhere else and sometimes it works out. Sometimes the first doctor was right, but sometimes they weren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like uh, this. That's kind of how we did. We talked about in our last episode about um, building support networks. Mm -hmm. How you know when you need help with something and you need support, like you were able to talk to your friend and he was able to give you advice because mm -hmm. you know he's in your social circle, so mm -hmm. he he understands what you're going through. Yeah. It's like you know, and, and you have to know who to ask because I you know. Have to know who to ask. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, Shannon, that I want to point out uh, is um, so check the writer. Okay, check the author. So that ties a lot with the, uh, just not the source, but the person who's providing the information for that particular source. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is why, again, it's, it's, it, um, it's important. So sometimes we take information and we are assuming that uh, it comes because it came from a particular source, we can uh, assuming that it's correct. But what if the person who provided the information um, for the source, the information was flawed. So mm -hmm. let me tell you what I mean by this. I know, I know a, 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 a situation where a person who was the CFO, the chief financial officer, provided uh, data on an annual report um, for a president. Okay? The president went out and made a speech to the nation. But the information that had been provided to him was inaccurate because the writer, the author, the CFO had some errors in the information. Um, so that, what information was sent to send out nationally People believed because they said at that level that has to be credible. But the very core, the very beginning of the information was flawed. So which means it came from a credible source. It came from an established firm. Okay. However, the writer, the provider of the basic information had made some mistakes. And as a result of it, the information was not correct. And so would you know what actually happened? They ended up terminating the contract of the person who, who, who provided the initial information because yeah. that took away credibility. Yeah, I think that just goes back to the importance of second opinions and peer review in literature. The importance double of- checking. Yes, Double exactly. Checking, you know, and, and, and asking people, where did this information come from? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, forcing people to justify it, explain it. Forcing people to justify it. 
you uh, look at what happens when, uh, if you take any of these murder cases, uh, these murders that have happened in the country, uh, you will get 150 different views on what happened. And everyone seems to know have the authority. Mm-hmm. And how do we get people engaged? We say stuff like, we'll tell, I know the mother or the sister of so-and-so, okay? And she told me such and such. Or my cousin used to go with, with the brother and she told me so-and-so, okay? And so what we do is that we love sensationalism and so the thing is that if we drop names, if we, you know, if we allude to, to having relationships with people, then for some persons that gives us credibility because they figure we have the inside scoop, you see? And so if, yeah. someone, if someone can justify that they have the inside scoop, we tend to give it more credibility. Yes, anecdotes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I encounter that a lot in like talking to people. You want to present a statistic, but then they're like, "Well, I know some so and so who did this and that." Uh-huh. It's like it's not the same as you know, this many people did this. Uh-huh. But but I, I think generally, like you said, people take anecdotes more seriously than they take a number. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, also, um, you ask checking the date. Mm-hmm, okay. Yes, verifying the date. Uh, this is why you have a, let's go back to, let's go back to our research in psychology. Um, usually when we're talking about literature reviews, sometimes um, we will say to you, we don't want anything that's, uh, that's not within the last five years. Why is that? Because you want it to be contemporary. You want it to be up to date. Yeah, because things change. Okay. Things change. Mm-hmm. And we have yeah. to, uh, and so when you when you verify an information, um, you want something that's happened recently. Yeah, and I and, think you have to be open to accepting that things change because yes, some people yes. don't want to know. Though they don't, they don't want to accept multiples, multiple different versions. Like how at the beginning of the pandemic they said no masks, and then they said masks, and people mm-hmm. were like, "Why are they lying to us?" Uh huh. Okay. And there's some things, and, 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 and let's deal with it because um, even now, okay, so you don't need to, you don't need re, uh, recent um, COVID tests to be able to travel. Um, some airlines are saying that you don't need masks and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, what is it that you feel comfortable doing? And, mm-hmm. and, and I usually say that I'm, I'm, I'm traveling tomorrow, but the thing is, I'm going to be traveling with my mask. You see? Um, yeah. Because, because, yeah, um, the sources, the research, the sources are credible and stuff like that. But there's still some, I, there's some, some questions that I have to ask for myself. And there's some mm-hmm. experiences that I have to go through on my own and some decisions that I have to make on my own. And so, um, so that's the same way that when something is presented to you, you ask specific questions and you um, do your investigations, okay? And then yeah. you come to a conclusion based on everything that you've gone through. But the thing is that you just don't take someone else's word for it, okay? So yeah, you check the date, you check the date. And a lot of the information that we see, like I, I was sharing with you earlier, um, and social media, a lot of the things that come our way. Uh, sometimes, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. 
um, something came my way the other day and I showed it to my wife and we were saying, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I sent it to my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law wrote back and said, that's old stuff. And I said, what do you mean? He said, um, I sent that out about four or five years ago. And I said, but I didn't see it. He said, yeah, that's old stuff. He said, that, is, that just didn't happen. But there were so many people who were thinking that it happened. It happened recently. And again, that's because we, you know, we didn't do our investigation. We didn't ask those questions that we should have asked, you know? Yeah. And um, a lot of it, let me see if I get it right. It's the who, what, when, where, how. Yes, exactly. You see? Um, and, and, and this is how we have to treat um, any information that comes our way. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then, and then finally, um, finally, you know, you have to always ask, is it a joke? Yes, yes. And, and, and that's, that's, one, that's one of the first things, you know, is it a joke? Yeah, it's can, satire. Yeah, you know, I can remember um, September 11th, 2001. I can remember exactly where I was at the time. You know, I was working and I remember... Um, I remember someone running over to the office and saying the World Trade Center, okay, um, had been hit. And the thing is that my first question was, is it a joke? I didn't accept it right away. Um, is it a joke? And they said, no, no, is it a joke? You know when the reality of me of it hit me? When I actually saw it falling and I saw the crumbles of it on live TV. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and um, again... It's the evidence. It's all about evidence. You see? And a lot of, and this is why when we talk about in social sciences and stuff, it's about evidence-based, evidence-based. What is it that we have to actually prove that something has taken place? Okay? Yeah. And so the thing is that um, I think as public health, as psychologists, um, as people in disaster management, uh, we have to begin to carve out channels of communication that are clear, that are direct, that are not, um, that don't compromise, okay? Um, and, 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 and give the raw factual information about what is happening. And that's how health communication strategies need to be drafted. They need to be drafted in a way so that people clearly understand what's going on what are their options and they make decisions based on it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, We are getting down to the end and I just have one more question for you. Uh, When it comes to disasters, you know, we're in hurricane season now. What are the most, most important resources or the most important sources that do you, that you think Bahamians should be following? Because a lot of times we are on Facebook, we're on Facebook, we're on WhatsApp. But what TikTok nowadays? What are the sources that we can, you can tell somebody that you know they're always going to be reliable? Um, I go back to I, I, one of the things. Uh, uh, I go back to the national news mm-hmm. agencies. Um, I think I think the the news network tend to, um, to carry very, very, very um, applicable and accurate information. Um, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you think in terms of our history, we've always relied on 
news reports and local news reports um, to help us to understand what's happening here in the country. Um, now with technology and stuff like that and social media, um, we've been able to, um, to use international sources as well. Um, but I flip through the stations. I listen to what um, Florida stations say. I listen to what New York stations say. I listen to what the Bahamas has to say. Okay, and I keep flipping, flipping, flipping. I listen to the radio. I listen to the TV. Okay, um, I go on and um, I look at what's happening as long as I can get data and Wi-Fi. And so I look at and I compare. I say, this is what CNN is saying. This is what ABC is saying. This is what ZNS is saying. Okay, and the thing is that um, it gives me a comprehensive view. Um, Shannon, let me tell you, I walk early morning. And one of the things that I do is I look at the um, 10 day forecast. Do you know that the 10 day forecast that I get um, on, on my computer, I consider it to be almost 95% correct? Oh, yes. I've, I checked the 10 day forecast as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed uh, that. And, and, and I pay close attention to it. So mm -hmm. if I look at it and they say rain between four and six in the morning, I don't even bother to go out anymore because very, I can't, I, I don't know if in the last year they've been wrong. There's usually some, so, so, um, so we've got this, um, this forecast international um, technology now that's able to decipher and be able to determine, okay, and be able to predict. And so I'm saying most of us have cell phones, most of us have smartphones, most people have some way of, of, of um, gaining access to technology. And um, I have, especially with disaster management, if someone, if someone is saying or predicting that there's gonna be a disaster, then I think you pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Pay attention. Yeah, check, I, I, check I, 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 live, I I live by that 10-day forecast. It mm -hmm. hasn't. It hasn't. It, it just always seems to be the workout. They tell you rain on Thursday. Okay, it's going to rain on Thursday. And so you prepare. You thank God if it doesn't, but most of the time it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The. I mean, we have to trust the experts on on certain things. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of hurricane season, the weather, I know a lot of people are boating. A lot of people are, mm -hmm. you know, getting ready. You know, we need people to be able to plan ahead of time and know what source, what resources they have, where uh -huh. the shelters are, when the hurricane is going to hit, every, you know, all of those things. We need people to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You see? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think our goal um, at, at BPA um, is to be able to provide... Um, credible information for persons um, in the community. Um, what I would like uh, for us to work towards is that uh, BPA um, becomes one of the authorities on, um, on what to do in the event of a disaster. So that people know that, look, let's log into their Facebook page. Let's log in, you know, to their heart. Let's call their hotlines. They have information that they can provide for us and that people consider it to be, you know, a credible source of information. 
you know, that we're just not um, shooting from the top of our heads as to what's going on, but we are providing reliable and valid sources of information. And I think, I think that's one of our biggest uh, goals, uh, to be seen as a credible source of information for disaster management. Mm -hmm. I think BP has been making really good headway in regards yeah, I, I, to I, I, establishing I, themselves. Definitely. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But, you know, we are, I think we're down to over, a little bit over our time, but I think we had a very um, constructive conversation. Mm -hmm. I, and, okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, thank you for I'm your time. Happy. I'm happy. Um, I wasn't quite sure how it would go, you know, but the thing is that um, I think we, I think, as a team, we pulled it off and I'm sure that we're going to be able to help someone. Yeah, I hope so. I think this is a good time for it. I really yeah, would like, yeah. yeah. So thank you, Mr. Adley, for coming oh. out and okay. lending thank us you. your hour. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. You can find out more about the Bahamas Psychological Association or BPA at our website, bahamasyc.org. That's bahamasyc.org. You can also look us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if you liked this episode of the podcast, don't forget to check out our other episodes. We have one on intimate partner violence and building support networks. So make sure to check them out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll talk to you guys later.